Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. Hello, listeners, and thank you for joining us again on another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Today, we have for you another interesting guest, and I'll allow him to pronounce his name because I'm sure I will butcher it. Welcome, Sam. Can you tell us your full name? Uh, My name is Sam Gopinathan. Sam is an adopted name in U.S. My correct name is Santosh Gopinathan. And so I just wanted to make it easier for my uh, business side of the life over years. So I changed my first name to Sam. Okay, wonderful. And what is there, what is your heritage? And is there a story behind what brings you to the United States? Definitely, yes. I am from India. Uh, I was born and raised over there. I did my mechanical engineering, uh, and I was working with uh, uh, various automobile manufacturing companies in India, and the last of which I was working uh, with Ford Motor Company. And um, it was a wonderful experience uh, to be working for three different major auto manufacturing companies. And interestingly, you know, um, being just a mechanical engineer. I'm just emphasizing the uh, part where I said just a mechanical engineer because in my company, um, all my colleagues, uh, they were all having additional education qualifications. Uh, They had master's, MBA, PhD, postdoc. And I was feeling undereducated by being a mere mechanical engineer. Uh, and uh, that actually uh, encouraged me to pursue my higher studies. And I came to U.S. in 2000 to do my uh, master's in business administration. I went to Peter Drucker Graduate School of Management here in Claremont. It's uh, part of the Claremont Graduate University in California. I came here in 2000, so that's my uh, journey from India to U.S. to pursue higher studies. Okay, and what do you do today from arriving back then and studying? What is your current profession and, you know, what has the journey been like? Today, I'm a business owner. I have, um, our company's name is New Wave Home Care. We take care of uh, elderly population in the comfort of the homes. You know, once people age and when they get to a certain age, they need that extra assistance with their activities of daily living. And that's where we sent uh, 
highly trained uh, caregivers to the homes of the elderly people, and uh, we take care of them in the in the comfort of the homes. So, in a way, we are helping them age in place. Uh, that's what I do today, but that's not what I started doing um, after graduation. I was working with a distribution company. I was vice president for the company till 2009. In 2009, it, uh, the recession took my job. So for the first time in my life, I was uh, jobless and it was one of the worst recessions in the recent history. I couldn't even find a job that I could apply for in the first couple of months after I lost my job. It was very difficult, and um, but also it's difficulty that brings the best out of everyone, I believe. Rather than trying to wait for opportunity uh, opportunities to come my way, we decided, my wife and I, we had a good conversation about uh, what we should do with our lives. Uh, my wife, she was in uh, law school at that time, so we didn't have a second income in our family at that point. So we decided to create our own opportunity rather than wait for the opportunity to come to you. So we started our business back in 2010. And so right now we have completed 12 years in business. We are on to our 13th year and we are loving every minute of what we do. Wow. Wow. That, that's been quite a success 13 years later. I'm very blessed um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, you know, this is an opportunity where we are able to help another person. Uh, it's a business, we get paid for doing what we do, but more importantly, um, you know, I go home very happy because you made the difference in somebody's life. You help somebody and um, you really feel connected with your core values. So I, we just love uh, every moment of what we do. Right. That is awesome. It, it What seemed like it was, might have been at the time, one of the most difficult times in your life has turned into this turning point moment that brought you to something that is in alignment with who you are. That's amazing. It is. Thank you. Yes. That's, that's a lesson for us today. Um, for our listeners to take away that at times we might be going through so many challenges or any particular challenge that might seem like it's the dark night of the soul, as they call it. But you're an example that it, it can turn into something so beautiful, right? And life-giving. It is. You know, during the trial phase, when we are actually going through it, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you have so many questions, uh, you know, did I do the right thing? Uh, is it going to work out and how long it takes? I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you just have to keep faith. And you know, you have to believe in yourself and keep working and keep working and keep working. And particularly when you're starting your own business, one thing to remember is the day you open the business, you don't have any clients at that time. And quite honestly, uh, for me, uh, the space I entered into, the home care, I'm a mechanical engineer. I was in the management side um, and I didn't even remotely have any connection to 
the healthcare sector. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know the space. I, ha- I mean, quite honestly, I didn't even know what I was getting into. And, uh, but the message to ourselves uh, is, you know, when you took the decision, uh, you went through a lot of details. You had to believe in the decision you took. And you have to keep faith and you have to keep working towards your goal. And that's what we did. Uh, the first, um, I mean, in, uh, after I lost my job, it took about 18 months for me to actually pay myself. So for the first 18 months, uh, you know, I was, you know, financing my family life, financing the business because the business had not started generating any income. So that's the time when you question yourself. Oh my God, what did I get into? Oh my God, is this going to work out? Or how long is it going to take? You know, so you don't know the answers. The only thing you know for sure is in your ability to keep working at it. Right. And so the question that's in my mind is why this, why this sector? What was the, you know, maybe somebody said something or an opportunity presented itself. What brought you to this um, idea? I'm glad you asked me this question because um, that was a very profound uh, experience in life. I wanted to go back to which actually led us to choosing this particular business. So back in uh, 2004, I was visiting India. My niece, she was getting married and so I was going for her wedding. That's the time when the tsunami happened and uh, India also got affected. Uh, Even though India was not uh, the most affected country, I think the second most affected country was India. We lost almost about 160,000, 165,000 lives in that tsunami. I'm, wow. uh, yeah, uh, most of the uh, death happened on the eastern coastal side of India. And I'm from the western, southern, southwestern side of India. So we were not in the direct line of the pressure waves. So technically, uh, we should have been spared of any damage. But even on the southwestern side of India, we lost probably about two, 3,000 lives just in that area alone. Kind of a whiplash, uh, you know, the waves swinging around and uh, hitting on the western side too. So that's the time when I reached India. And I have a spiritual mother. Um, she has her ashram in the southern coastal side of India. So I was concerned that her ashram would be affected, and it was. So I went straight to my spiritual mother's uh, ashram. We call her Amma. Amma means mother. So I went to Amma's ashram, and uh, I ended up volunteering to help people affected by tsunami in that neighborhood. I was... Uh, teamed up with the food distribution. So that, those days, uh, we were distributing almost about 3,500 meals 
twice a day. Uh, so we would uh, prepare all this freshly cooked food and we would transport that in trucks to different parts of the village where hundreds and hundreds of people were lined up because they lost everything. They lost the home, they lost their belongings. There's nothing left standing in the village. Um, some people were spared and these are the people we were taking care of at that time. So I was in food distribution and it was so heartbreaking to see the extent of damage that the village went through. I did this for a couple of days and one day in the evening, as uh, I mean, Amma was talking to us and she turned and looked at me and asked, so what were you doing? I said I was in the uh, food distribution. And so she was like, um, she didn't understand or she acted like she didn't understand. What does that mean? So I had to explain to her, you know, uh, there were hundreds and hundreds of villages all queuing up uh, at the food distribution point and they're coming with the plates in the hand and I'm serving food on the plates one after the other. I thought I was doing a good job. At least I thought that myself, right? And um, she looked very disappointed, actually. Amma looked very disappointed and said, uh-huh, that's what you're doing? I don't want you to do it. So I was uh, very confused and uh, instead of getting an appreciation for what I was doing, here I am, I traveled all the way from US and I'm helping and you know, there's no appreciation. That was what was going on in my mind. A minute later, Amma looked at me and said, uh, you speak the local language, don't you? You know, that's when the light bulb goes off in my brain. I never talked to the people who came for the food. Mm. So next day, when we went out, I started talking to them. And when I started talking to them, they suddenly realized, you know, I speak the language and, you know, they were just opening up, uh, you know, they were sharing all the horrific stories about what they went through, the family they lost, the property damage, the temple that was damaged, on and on and on. And they were so eager to share the stories and that just talking and sharing was actually therapeutic for them. And now serving the food became a secondary, uh, uh, you know, uh, secondary service. You know, the primary thing was talking and connecting. And that's when I learned my lesson. Communication is connecting. And connecting is caring. This was a very profound experience that I brought back with me. And uh, years later, when I lost my job and I was in the process of deciding what business I wanted to get into, I, I found the home care business connecting this with this particular value where caring, how do I care? That was my primary need. And this experience really helped me identify home care as the opportunity I wanted to be engaged in where it's not just uh, providing the elderly people with, um, you know, three meals a day and, uh, you know, a clean pair of clothes. Um, 
it is more than that. It's about providing them a true quality to their life, to enrich their life in the golden years. That became the key objective rather than just, you know, send a person to be with them in the home. So the, that philosophy really helped me a lot. And also that's the key philosophy for which we earned a lot of appreciation from the local community because you're transforming the life of people in the golden years. Right. Wow. Such a meaningful business. Our elderly certainly need that type of support and, and specifically, you know, keeping in line with what our show, show covers immigrant elderly people too even more so may need that support in finding care here in the United States that they may not even be aware of. Very true. So I wonder, you mentioned that you're from the southwestern side of India. Can you tell us a little bit more about that area? What's the name of the city and part of India that you're from and what is life like there? The city I hail from, uh, it's called Cochin. I'll spell it out, C-O-C-H-I-N. Now it has been renamed as Kochi, that is K-O-C-H-I. It's also known as the Venice of the East. Um, mm. It's very tropical, uh, you know, lush green. There are a lot of beaches and mountains are not too far away from where we are. So the state name is Kerala. It's the southwestern state of India. So we get a lot of rainfall. So we have very, um, very good rivers and beaches and mountains. It's very lush, green, and very tropical. So it can get very hot and humid in summer. So okay. it's, a, it's a beautiful place. And and what is the is the food different from other parts of India? I know uh, lots of Indians are vegetarian, some are vegans. Um, you know, what's the language that you guys speak? What music and so forth? Is it quite like different part of the from different from other parts of the country? It is very different. India actually, you know, I mean, we have twenty six different languages. So if, uh, if you go to uh, one state. Uh, from another state, it's almost like going into a completely new country because it's a new language, new culture. Kerala, where I hail from, we speak uh, the language Malayalam. Malayalam is a language that's a hybrid of Hindi and Tamil and has a lot of uh, Sanskrit in it. So the roots of the language are Sanskrit and Tamil, the two oldest language. The food we eat, um, you know, I mean, uh, before I explain the food, um, if I explain the name, uh, the origin of the name Kerala means the land of coconuts. So we have hundreds and thousands of coconut trees. So all of our food has a rich uh, uh, you know, contribution coming from coconut, you know, we put coconut in all of our curries, uh, different type of curries we make, everything has coconut in it. It's very spicy and tangy. Uh, that's the kind of taste we 
we love it. And the more spicier, the better. And we love seafood. Being a coastal state, you know, we we get plenty of fresh fish caught every day. So fish and rice, that's the staple food. But we also grow all types of vegetables over there. So all types of vegetables, fruits, bananas, uh, anything you can imagine from a tropical place, you would get that in our uh, place. Okay, very nice. You've given quite a colorful description. I'm, uh, I'm getting feelings of being on the island, and um, <laughs> you know the coconut and the beach and uh, the curries. It, it sounds like and the spicy, <laughs> lots of spices and the heat that you like in your food. It sounds like somewhere in Jamaica, but you know um, maybe you'll feel quite at home if you visit, or vice versa, if I were to go to that part of India. Yes, you would really feel at home. And, uh, you know, I need to come to the Caribbean too. That's on my bucket list of places to visit. Wonderful, wonderful. So I'm wondering, okay, and uh, so you're still living on the California side. You arrived here. You got married. Any children? Maybe a little bit about your personal life as much as you're able to share? Definitely. Um, um, my wife and I will be celebrating our 30 years uh, together next year. And uh, we had two wonderful boys. And my older one, he is preparing to go to law school. Uh, he graduated and then he's currently working in a law firm. Um, so now he wants to become a lawyer. So he is planning to take his LSAT uh, in November. That's next month he's going to do that. My younger one, He's already in law school. Uh, he is in UC Hastings. He graduated from uh, UC Irvine. And my older son, he graduated from UC Davis. Uh, they both took after the mom. Um, my <laughs> wife, she is, she is an attorney herself. So they like what mom is doing. So they're taking after the mom. Very good. Very good. And congratulations on 30 years of marriage, right? It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm wondering, your story seems to be highlighted by the entrepreneurial experience. I'm wondering what, it, what opportunities um, or maybe challenges that may have come along, you know, as you started this business and, um, you know, working through from a recession from the 2008, now we're in another one right now. They're, mm -hmm. they're saying that we're, you know, on the brink of another re recession. How did you get through some of the challenges and getting your business up and running and opportunities that helped you to become profitable? Definitely. Um, you know, I mean, by nature, I am very introverted. Uh, I'm very shy and uh, inward looking more than, uh, you know, not the uh, type of person who finds um, talking coming to me very easily. Uh, first of all, I mean, English is an adopted language for me. Uh, even though uh, my education was in English, uh, my primary language is not English. So, and when you come to a new country, it's not just a language, it's also culture-based language where some of the usages are so different. Uh, for example, I uh, briefly worked in uh, Texas 
where one of my colleagues used to tell me, I'm fixing to go for this program. And I was like, um, okay, what do you need to fix to go for this program? And then he started laughing and saying, no, 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 I don't need to fix it. I'm planning to go for this program. And it's a way of saying in Texas, you know, I'm fixing to go for this program. So, um, you know, when you go to, even though you, you think you know the language, uh, I'm more uh, speaking the Queen's English more than the American English. And even American English, you know, it uh, varies from place to place. So, um, when you start your business and things like that, you know, this kind of questions always kind of bothers you. I mean, am I saying the right, the right thing? I, uh, am I doing the right thing? This kind of questions always comes to you. I think a lot needs to be said about the community that I am currently here uh, in Pasadena, California. This is one of the best, most welcoming communities that one can find. My first client was offered to me uh, by a care manager that I met in one of the networking meetings. So in the networking meetings, when I go, there were a lot of other uh, established home care agencies and they know everybody and they know what to talk. Um, they know the trade. I didn't. And it was quite awkward for me when I come face to face with um, a care manager in this case, you know, I just didn't know what to say. I just introduced myself and said, I just got into this business. I'm brand new. That's how I introduced. And in one of the networking meetings, much later on, when we were, you know, you, you everybody has a 60 second elevator pitch to tell about themselves. Mm -hmm. And I said, um, you know, my name is Sam Gopanathan. I'm with uh, New Wave Home Care. I am brand new to this business. And I know nothing about this business. But I am willing to learn. So after the meeting, quite a few people came to me and said, Sam, that is really bold for you to say that you know nothing. Why did you do that? I said, you know, number one, I want to be honest. I don't want to tell you that I know this without me knowing it. I just want you to know that I'm being honest. Number two, when the cup is empty, you have a lot more room to fill in it. So I'm willing to learn. I got a lot of positive feedback, even though I was expressing my limitations in that meeting. And that told me something, you know, you don't have to pretend to be somebody else. You have to be you. And if you don't know something, you don't know something. You don't know that. I mean, you don't, it's, it's okay. Nobody's going to nail you to the wall because you didn't know uh, X, Y, Z. What is important is, if you didn't know it, are you willing to learn it? Now are you willing to do it? And quite, uh, I mean, I learned this quite fast, where if you didn't know something, you're able to learn it faster than if you know something. 
because you have to unlearn what you know and then relearn the correct way. So for me, learning actually was a lot faster because I didn't know anything. I had a clean slate. Join us next time for part two of this episode. Tune in next week for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, we welcome any and all support. If you have not done so already, subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and circle of influence.